We started a new tradition last year about going from Mother's Day to Father's Day, a series on family. And so we're going to do that again this year and talk about family. So our new series is entitled For Better or For Worse, or For Better or Worse, Committed to Family. So it's under our theme for the year, which is committed. And I know I've said it a lot this year, but I'm going to keep saying it, that in response to the God who committed all to us, we commit all to Him and to His glory, to His cause, and to His people. And this month we're going to talk about how that looks in a family, how that looks in our families for better or worse, and how we are committed to our families. Now, before we get into that, I have something I'm going to confess, okay? So don't judge me, okay? Not supposed to judge me, so don't. So, uh, but, but I, I kind of like one of my favorite things on the internet uh, are Pinterest fails. You know what I'm talking about? Pinterest fails. You know, you know what Pinterest is, right? It's it's this site where the ladies go, or maybe the men. I don't know. You know, so you can go there too if you want. But uh, recipes and and little craft things, and they're amazing, right? I mean, these ladies get on there and they find all these cool recipes and all these craft projects, and and there's these beautiful pictures of what they're supposed to look like, right? And then and then thankfully, the, there's people in the world that are like me that if I try it, and I'm not going to try any of the things on Pinterest, but if I tried it, I would be an epic Pinterest fail, right? So, uh, but I'm thankful that there are people that share their pictures with us so we can commiserate and, and laugh with them, right? Because sometimes they don't turn out exactly like we think. So here's one. Uh, this is a great, I mean, what a cool little, you know, minion cake, you know? I mean, it's amazing that people can create such things. And, and then there's, there, you know, <laughs> nailed it, right? Nailed it. That's what it would look like if I tried to make something like that. Uh, and then there's these Cookie Monster cupcakes. I mean, that's cool, you know. Uh, that's awesome. And then here's what the reality looks like, you know. <laughs> Just a little bit different. And then there's this one, uh, Mickey Mouse. I mean, so cool. I wish my mom had made me Mickey Mouse uh, pancakes like that. But then here's how it would turn out, yeah. So... <laughs> And then th- this one's my favorite with the crayon. I mean, what a cool piece of art, you know? And you think, I could do that, right? I mean, I could do that. All the colors run together and makes this cool rainbow. But then here's the reality. <laughs> yeah. So there really is a point to all of that, that there is the ideal, the way things are supposed to be and the way things are supposed to look, the expectation of what you hope for and what you're striving for and what things are supposed to be like. And then there's the reality. And very often the expectation and the ideal doesn't equal the reality. And that's true not just with Pinterest. That, that's true with our life, isn't it? And we look at our own lives. We look at sometimes our own families. And we say, you know, it, it may be good. It, it may be wonderful. Uh, but it's not exactly the way I thought things were going to turn out. As you walked down the aisle when you were getting married, maybe, or maybe when you had kids, or you thought about becoming a parent, or maybe you thought about this point in your life, and you thought, by the time I get to my 30s, or my 40s, or my 50s, or 60s, or 80s, or whatever it is, things will be this way, and my family will look like this, and then there's reality. Our expectation and our ideal gets interrupted by things like death and divorce disagreement and separations and heartbreak and sin and just human frailty. And so we, we acknowledge that, don't we? But, but what we want to talk about this morning is the gospel. And here's the idea that, that I want us to kind of think about this morning as we work our way through the text. And I think we'll see this in scripture that the gospel compels us to be committed 
to the ideal, right? The gospel compels us to be committed to the ideal, to doing things the way they're supposed to be done, but it also empowers us to deal with reality. So the gospel compels us to be committed to the ideal while empowering us to deal with reality because reality isn't always what we thought it was going to be. It isn't what we were expecting for it to be. So we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 this morning. Before we get there, though, uh, let me just kind of give you some background on the book. So Timothy didn't write the book. Timothy was the audience, was the, the recipient of the letter. So it's written by the Apostle Paul. And so Paul is writing this, I would assume, an open letter because they obviously made copies of it because you've got a copy and i got a copy. we got copies in our Bible, right? So it was kind of an open letter. So the Apostle Paul writes this open letter to this young preacher, Timothy, who's preaching at the church in Ephesus, a, a church that Paul knew well and loved that had, like every congregation, has problems because it has people, right? And so uh, Paul writes this letter to young preacher Timothy, encouraging him, but also at the same time encouraging the whole congregation because obviously it's a letter that that gets read by the whole church, right? And now we're reading it. And we're saying, what kind of things... What kind of things should we know about being Christians and what Christianity looks like when we live it out in the family? Because that's what we're saying, isn't it? I mean, let's just be clear. That's what we're saying, that Christianity isn't just about what we do here on Sunday. What we do here on Sunday equips us and empowers us to live as Christians on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It compels us to be committed to the ideal and empowers us to deal with reality, whatever reality that might look like. And your reality and my reality, we may feel like we're the only ones going through that particular situation, but as Paul says to the Corinthian church, no temptation that you're going to be faced with isn't common to people. Everybody has these types of situations I know sometimes it's really easy to look at some other family and you think, man, they've, they've got perfect kids. You ever feel like that? And sometimes you just like to see their kid mess up or throw a bed and you're like, yes, my kids are not the only ones that do that. You know, so, so, you know, but, but the reality is they're not perfect kids and they're not perfect parents and nobody's life situation, nobody's family situation is perfect. And the gospel compels us to be committed to living the way we're supposed to live, but at the same time empowers us to deal with reality, whatever that reality might be. So let's pick up in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy. And Paul writes to Timothy and says, Don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Now, I want to come back to that. We'll circle back to that here in just a minute. And then he says, honor widows who are truly widows. And that's really what he's going to be talking about in this context, is honoring widows who are truly widows. And and he'll explain what he means by that in just a second. But what he means by honor them isn't just respect them. It's to honor them financially. It's to take care of them. It's to provide for them. It's to make sure that they have food to eat and a roof over their head and clothes to wear because you're not honoring a widow if you let her go hungry. And you're not honoring a widow if you let her be homeless. And you're not honoring a widow if you let her be unclothed properly. And so 
Paul is telling this preacher and by connection, the whole church to honor widows who are truly widows. And we'll, we'll come back to that idea in just a second because that's what Paul is talking about in this passage. Look at verse four. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Now, this is so good, okay? So, so Paul says, listen, it, take care of these widows, but, but first, before you just start taking care of them and, and giving them clothes and a roof over their head and kind of put them on the list of people the church continually takes care of, first, let their children or their grandchildren take care of them. But, but the way that he says it is so interesting. He says, let them first learn to show, what's the word there? Godliness. Let them learn to show, say it with me, godliness. Show God, that's interesting, isn't it? He's saying children and grandchildren should take care of their aging parents, grandparents, and this is showing godliness. What is godliness? It doesn't, it doesn't really mean to be like God. Good luck trying to be like God, right? I mean, we should be trying, I guess, to be like God in some ways, but godliness means reverence. It means piety. It means your religious action. You see what Paul's saying? He's, he's saying that you taking care of your aging parents is you practicing your religion. You taking care of your aging grandparents is you practicing your religion. In fact, he connects it to the whole household, right? Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household, to your family. Do we realize that? That... Moms, when you're taking care of your babies or your toddlers or your elementary school kids or your middle school kids or your high school kids or your college kids, when you're providing for them and taking care of them and doing what mothers do and dads, when you're doing the same for your kids, you know what you're doing? You're showing godliness. When your parents are aging and you're taking care of your aging parents, you're showing godliness. You are practicing your religion. You're showing piety. I mean, again, it goes back to our theme for this year, doesn't it? That in response to the God who committed all to us, we commit all to him and to his glory and to his cause and to his people. That you're feeding your babies or you changing the bedding of your mother or father or grandmother or grandfather, or you taking care of a a nephew or a cousin or a brother or a sister, whatever it is that you're doing, you're not just doing that. You're doing something bigger. You're a part of something bigger. That when you're feeding your babies and you're taking care of your family, you are showing godliness. You are responding to God's commitment to you with your commitment to his cause, to his people. And you're taking care of your family with the same kind of commitment that God showed to you. Isn't that good to know that that when you come here and you sing songs and you, you hear a lesson and you dive into God's word and you take the Lord's Supper and you encourage each other, that that's part of our religion, yes, absolutely. But you're really practicing your religion. You're going out and you're showing piety to God by doing what? By caring for your household. By taking care of your family. 
And so Paul says, listen, yes, it would be great if the church takes care of these widows, but first, first, before that happens, you need to allow their children and their grandchildren to have the opportunity to show godliness. And some of you, some of you moms especially, in today's Mother's Day, so we can kind of focus in on that, but again, this applies to anybody who's caring for and helping with and showing concern for and doing things for their family, that you need to know that when you wipe food off their face, when you change a diaper, when you get up in the middle of the night, when you answer a phone call in the middle of the night, you are showing godliness. You are practicing your religion. That is your piety. I mean, think about the contrast between what is Paul is saying here and the way, as a, as a former Pharisee, I mean, how Paul would have thought as a Pharisee, how do you show piety? How do you show reverence? How do you work out and practice your religion? Well, you keep away from those dirty sinners over there, and you make sure your hands are clean, and you make sure you do all the rituals and the ceremonies. And, and Jesus would say, listen, I mean, it's good that you, you tithe your garden herbs. You know, you harvest a few garden herbs, and you give 10% of what that's worth to God. I mean, that's great. That's great. Keep, keep doing that. But listen you're neglecting the weightier things of the law. See, even, even under the old law, they should have realized that you practice your religion, you show reverence to God, you show piety by taking care of your family. And in fact, they had traditions, the Jews in the time of Jesus had traditions where they could say, I commit all of my money and my future inheritance to the Lord, and I'm going to give it to the temple, and therefore it can't be touched by anyone or anything. When I die, it's all going to go to the Lord. It's devoted to Him. And then their moms or dads were sick and needing help and care, and they said, sorry, I'd love to help you, but all my stuff is committed to the Lord. And Jesus says, Listen, you're you're honoring your man-made tradition over the commandments of God. Here's the commandments of God. Honor your father and your mother. You see, when you take care of your aging parents or grandparents or your children or nieces or nephews or brothers or sisters, your cousins, whatever it might be, when you do that, you are showing reverence to God. And we need to do it with that mindset, don't we? That I'm, I'm committed to you. And I'm committed to doing my job. I'm committed to providing for my household. I'm, pro- I'm committed to providing for my parents and my grandparents and my children and my nephews and nieces and whatever I have the ability to do and care for the people that I have the ability to care for. I'm committed to that. Why? Because God has been committed to me. And I'm going to show my reverence to God by taking care of my family. And so Paul tells Timothy, let them have that opportunity. He says, and to make some return to their parents. I never knew how much I owed my parents until I became one, right? I, I, I had no idea how much I owed them. And, and, and Paul says, let, let the, this is what you're doing. You're, you're not only practicing your religion... You're not only showing piety and showing godliness and showing reverence to God, but you are making a return to your parents. But but we, we might stop and say that's why we're doing what we're doing, but that's not what Paul says. He's not, he's not saying that's why we do it. He says that's what you're supposed to do, make some return to your parents, but that's not why you do it. Why do you do it? Look what he says. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. That's why you do it. 
That's why you do it. Not because, not because you owe it to them. Not because they've been perfect parents, because it'd be really easy if that's why we did it. Say, well, my mom and dad weren't perfect, and so, you know, I don't think I owe them anything. That's not why you do it. Nobody was perfect parents. Nobody were perfect grandparents. No, no kids are perfect. No, no uncles or aunts or cousins. That's not why we do what we do. We do it because this is pleasing to God. And isn't that good news? I mean, isn't that good news? That, that, I mean, seriously. I, I mean, I, I know my wife has hard days as a stay-at-home mom, and she homeschools our boys. I always say, we homeschool. We don't do anything. She does that. And, and, and she has some hard days. I won't say this at second service, but she has some hard days. <laughs> and and it, it's good to know that that's pleasing to God. And, and, and your moms and dads, get up early, take your kids to school, pick them up, stay up late doing homework. This is pleasing to God. As you change the bedding for your aging mother or grandmother, this is pleasing to God. As you wipe food off their faces and change their diapers, this is pleasing to God. You don't, you don't do it because it's fun. You don't do it because they deserve for you to do it. You don't do it because you're paying them back for anything. You do it because this is pleasing to God. This is what the gospel compels us to do. And that's the mindset we need to have in everything that we do. I'm doing this because I love my God. I'm doing this because God committed all to me when I was just a sinner. I was a rebellious enemy of God, and he loved me anyway. I didn't deserve it, and he loved me anyway. I didn't love him, and he loved me anyway. I didn't serve him, and he served me anyway. I wasn't willing to die for him, but he was willing to die for me. And so in response to that, let's take care of our families. And let's, let's remember why, why we're doing it. And while we are doing it, this is for God. This is for God. And, and listen, I know that sometimes the, it, the, the pressure gets so much, doesn't it? And you feel like there's so many things that you have to do and you have to try to make everybody happy. And sometimes you feel like you're just not living up to it and you're not doing enough. And you're thinking, I've got kids to take care of and, and these people want me to do this and these people want me to do that. And I've got this going on and that going on. Listen, you need to remember moms and dads and uncles and aunts and cousins and grandparents, maybe grandparents that are helping to take care of grandkids, you, you need to realize that it may not feel like you're doing a bunch while you're taking care of a little kid, or maybe you feel like while you're taking care of your aging parents or grandparents that maybe there's some other things that are being neglected. But listen, what you're doing is priestly work. What you're doing is God-honoring work. As a priesthood of all believers, you are doing god Honoring work by taking care of your family. And that's why we do it. We do it because this pleases God. This is pleasing in the sight of God. Look at verse 5. She who is truly a widow. Okay, now getting back to this idea of honoring widows. And this is where Paul will go for the rest of the few next few verses. We'll talk about taking care of these widows. Because here's the thing. It'd be great... The ideal would be, right? The ideal would be that, that a husband and wife, that husband stays around for a long time and takes care of her forever, right? And they just take care of each other and they provide for each other, but death often interrupts that plan, doesn't it? And she's left all alone. 
And it'd be great if she had kids or grandkids that would help take care of her. But sometimes things interrupt that as well. And sometimes there are people left all alone that don't have the family support and the family structure that maybe ideally they would have, but they don't have that. And so here's what happens. The gospel empowers us to deal with reality. It empowers us as a church to become family to the familyless, right? Paul tells Timothy, listen, here's how you're to treat older men like they're all your dad. And and here's how you're to treat older women like they're all your mothers. And here's how you treat younger men like they're all your brothers. And, and, And younger ladies like they're your sisters in all purity. And so the church becomes family to those who are lacking in family. Yes, it'd be great if, if families all took care of each other and, and that was all taken care of and that structure always existed, but let's face it, that's not reality. Reality is that families, my family and your family, have gaps that the church has to come in and be fathers to the fatherless and mothers to the motherless and brothers and sisters to those who don't have brothers and sisters and children to those who don't have children that we take care of each other, that we honor those who are truly widows. And and he says, listen, he says, she who is truly a widow left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day because, again, the gospel empowers us to deal with reality. And she says, I know, I know that even though my husband is gone and I don't have children or grandchildren to take care of me, and I know that there's huge gaps In people providing for me, I set my hope on God, and I know that he will take care of me. But she who's self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. And that's kind of interesting, too, that Paul throws that in there, right? Because you think every little widow lady is, you know, is perfect. But Paul says, even that, that there's sometimes the reality And it's not necessarily what the ideal is. Verse 7, command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. See, there's both sides of it, isn't there? There's, There's the positive side of it, that when you are taking care of and providing for your family, when you're caring for your children and your nieces and nephews and your grandchildren or you're providing for your parents and your grandparents, then you are honoring God. This is your showing of godliness. But if we neglect that, then we have denied the faith. See, because that's what the faith compels us to do. The faith compels us to take care of our families. The, the, the faith compels us to be committed to the ideal even though the ideal isn't necessarily the reality, while the gospel empowers us to deal with the reality. So let's let's go back to that idea. Committed to the ideal and empowered to deal with reality. Do we see how that works? That the gospel compels us to be committed to the people in our life? And and that's what compels us. Because often we... We wait for them to compel us, right? So well, I'll be, com- I'll be committed to my wife when she's the wife she's supposed to be. That's not how it works. I'll be committed to my husband when he's the husband he's supposed to be. That's not how it works. I'll be committed to my kids when they finally start acting like the kids they're supposed to be. 
I'll be committed to my parents when they finally start acting like the parents they're supposed to be. It isn't their perfection that compels us to be committed to that relationship. It's the gospel that compels us to be committed to that relationship because we know that providing for our family is pleasing in the sight of God. That this is how we show godliness. But, but then, but then there's the reality, right? And there's the reality that there's still these gaps in our families and there's still these gaps in these relationships and sometimes we don't have the people there to provide for them or for them to provide for us. And that's where the church comes in. And we take care of each other. And we come, become family for each other. And we help fill in those gaps. So, three things. One is, some of us just need to hear that what you're doing in providing for your family, you are showing your godliness. Keep doing what you're doing. And some of us need to realize that there are gaps in the, in our church family that you can help fill. There are people that don't have kids and they need you to be their son or daughter. They, they don't have parents and they need you to be their father or mother figure in their life. They don't have brothers and sisters in the flesh and they need you to be their spiritual brothers and sisters and we need to help take care of each other. So we need to look for those gaps. And third, some of you may have those gaps in your own family and in your own life and you need to tell us. You need to tell somebody so that we can pray for each other and encourage each other and be the family for each other because the gospel compels us to be committed to the ideal. Provide for our families, be the husbands and fathers and children and brothers and sisters and wives and husbands that we're supposed to be. But it also, it also empowers us to deal with reality. The reality in our own life and the reality in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so maybe this morning you need to become a part of this family. You need to be baptized into Jesus and you need to, you need to become a part of a family that's going to be the family that you need and let Jesus be the savior that you need and let the father be the father that you need and let the spirit be the comforter that you need. Or maybe you just need prayers or encouragement. We want to be your family because we know your family isn't isn't what you expected it to be. None of our families are exactly what we expected them to be and there's gaps in all of our families, and we want to be the family that you need. So if we can pray with you or help you, there's a room in the back. Shepherds would love to pray with you after service or right now as we stand and sing. Please come forward.